0: Children's Church. Clap your hands for them. Come on. Celebrate the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Come on. Let's clap our hands and continue to celebrate our Lord. Let's go to the Word of God. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. My wife has already done it, but I want to praise God for those who may be watching online, streaming us all around the world. All around the world. Somebody streaming us. And I praise God for you. Let's go to Mark Mark 11. Mark 11. Mark chapter 11, and we're going to begin at verse 1. I'm excited. I believe the Lord has given me a word for somebody, and I cannot wait to share it. Mark 11. I thank God for the good days. You got to become grateful and thank God for the good days. And if today is not as good as you want it, thank God it's not as bad as it could be. Glory to God. Somebody would love to have your day. Somebody would love to have the problems we complain about. Somebody would love to have the issues that you say you can't deal with. Somebody would say, give me those issues. I'll deal with them. Because the problems that I have right now are insurmountable. The problems that I have right now are driving me crazy. And somebody saying, just give me the problem. Let me see what I can do. Somebody can take your hand and win with it. But glory be to God, we're going to win with what we got. Thank you, Jesus. Mark 11, when you have it, say amen. So that verse 1, Mark 11 and 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go your way unto the village over against you. And as soon as ye have entered unto it, ye shall find a coat tied, whereon never man set, loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do ye this, say ye that the Lord have need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went that, their way and found the coat tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And a certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the coat? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many s- spread their garment in the way, and the others cut down branches off of the trees and strew them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest verse 3 again if any man say unto you why you do this say ye that the Lord have need of him the Lord have need of him For a few minutes, I want to talk about when God needs you. When God needs you, let us pray again. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this occasion to gather, God, in joy and not sorrow. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, your omnipresence, your your omnipotent presence. We come humbly bowing down, submitting to your will asking that you would speak something to us this morning, God, that would give us clarity, give us strength, give us direction, give us help. I thank you, Lord, because we honor you, God, and we already know in advance that you're going to do exactly what we ask you to do. And we praise you for those answers and the direction and the clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. When God needs you. So the Bible is very clear. I'm going to jump around through a few scriptures. You may know them, you may not. You may want to take them down, you may not. You may already know it by heart. The Bible says, in regards to salvation, in Ephesians 2 and 8, it says that we are saved For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of ourselves. It is a gift from God. Verse 9 goes on, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you're saved by faith, not by works, so that you never try to take the credit, so that no man can boast. That's very interesting to me because... Many people will make you believe that it is because of their works that they are saved. But the Bible is very clear that nobody is saved by works. You're saved by grace and by your faith. It is a gift to God. God's grace is a gift to us. That's why we must always be mindful of being being grateful to God because his grace is a gift. His grace and his salvation is a gift to God. It's not like you can work it up. It's not like you can make it happen. It is a gift. This is not a gift that you can, you can get just simply because you were born in the right family or simply because you were born in America. This is a gift that God gives freely to anybody, not by your works, lest any man should boast. And and so I, w- I, I came up in the church and, and so... I came up in the Holiness Church, and the Holiness Church meant that 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 you wore certain colors on certain days, and and I remember being a young man and thinking, man, that person is holy, 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 and 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 I remember being intimidated by him, and and they were the mothers would wear all white, and sometimes the men would wear all white, and we'd have consecration services, and and you'll have people going through the church with a no and and casting devils out and talking. Talking and telling you that 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 that, that you got to get saved, get right, or get left. And so I believed as a young man that this person must have came into this world fully saved. I was young. I didn't know. I I thought they came into this world fully saved, and then you start realizing that nobody came into this world saved. The Bible says that we were born in in iniquity we were born in sin and in our mother's womb were we shaped in iniquity so we all came in here in a deficit then you go on to Romans where it says there is none righteous no not one none none not one I love how God just simply breaks it down there's none righteous no, not one, not, not, not one of you, not, not because you, you go to church, you can go to church eight days a week, I, that's what I said. You can go to church and wear white and walk around the church until your feet are, are just like nubs. but there is none righteous. No, not one. I love how God puts it all on the equal playing field. We all come into this world. As filthy rags we all come into this world needing the salvation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and so I, I love how God is so just and so mighty and so so fair in his salvation and his grace he said anybody can have it anybody can receive it and anybody can get into heaven and anybody can see the kingdom of God but there is one requirement to see the kingdom of God, verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must be born again. That's the only requirement. Ye must be born again. You cannot see God unless you're born again. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven until you're born again. It's a it's old fashioned. It, it sounds like your 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 old uh, fire and brimstone preacher if you get to preaching like that. But I'm just preaching the truth. Ye must be. Born again, that's Jesus' words, that, that no man can come unto the Father except by me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's one way, it's one way in, and that's through Jesus. He said, I am the door by which if any man enters, he shall be saved. I love it because that now takes all the ambiguity out. It takes all the guessing out. Lord, how can I get to be in the kingdom of heaven? How can I get to now go up to the Father? And once I I leave this life and now, how do I walk with you? He said, you must be born again. There is no work around. There is no no side deal you can make. There is no God knows my heart. There's none of that. You can come to church every day and if you want to stay here 24 hours a day. You can give all the money you got in your bank account, but you must be born again. That's the only prerequisite to seeing the father. You must be born again. I love that because he just makes it plain and simple for anybody. There's no dendum, There's no asterisk. You must be born again, washed in the blood. And he made it even easier. He said in Romans 10 and 9, I've said it before. You've heard it before. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. That's it. That's all it takes. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You shall be saved. I want to I help you out because as many of you, you go through life and you go uh, encounter different people and they tell you all of these different rituals and all of this stuff that you have to do in order to get closer to God, in order to receive salvation. It's not true. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if you come up off your knees and you fall and you drop dead, that's the the old legend of my my great-grandfather. He he was a a sinner. He was a, 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 I mean, he was a a hard man. But the legend has it that he, he confessed his sins and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And before he could get up off the bed, that he dropped dead. The man, as soon as he got up, got ready to get up, He was on his way to transition. And he's in heaven now. If that story be true, I believe it is, then he's in heaven now waiting on us. That's all it takes. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. See, man wants to make it harder than it is. Man wants to put these rituals in place. And, and man, religion will tell you, well, you need to come to church and do this. and You need to serve on this board and you need to do that. And then what if the pastor knows your name and you need to shake hands with the pastor and you need to come and give, give, uh, get the right hand of fellowship from the pastor to be saved? It doesn't take any of that. You simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ you shall be saved. I love that because God made it so equal and such a level playing field that the illiterate and the rich aristocrat all has to come to the same conclusion. I love it because if you're unlearned or if you got your PhD, you're a scholar, you still have to come to the same conclusion that That I must be born again that I have to repent of my sins if I want to see my Savior it doesn't matter what you got in your bank account or what you got at home or what kind of home you have we are all on the same playing field you must be born again if you're watching online and, and somebody has told you oh well you can you can see God this way or that way and and I don't believe it takes all that. Tell them it don't take all of that. It takes all of this. You must be born again. That's the only requirement. I'm going to keep saying it because sometimes we got, to, we got to keep saying a message. John the Baptist, he was in the, the wilderness, and he was this crazy, wild preacher preparing the way for Jesus to come. And John only had one message, prepare ye the way. That was his only message. You come back. Sunday, this Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, prepare ye the way of the Lord. You come back the third Sunday, prepare ye the way of the Lord. You come back on the fifth Sunday, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And I know sometimes it sounds repetitive, but I want you to get that down in your spirit and get that down in your in your soul. That that's all it takes. It doesn't take it doesn't take the things that man says it takes. It just takes you confessing in your mouth with your mouth and believing in your heart. And receiving the salvation, the Bible says it is with the foolishness of preaching that he confounded the wise. Because somebody would say, it doesn't make sense that a God this big would accept somebody like you by simply doing that. And he said, I'm going to make it so that anybody could touch and receive this salvation. And because you could not come up to me, I had to send my son down to you. And I had to give you this way of coming into the fellowship with me because I knew that you by yourself would never be able to reach me. So I came down and gave you the gift of my son and gave you the gift of salvation with those few simple things. Is this okay? 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, come on, he is a new creature. All old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I love that in 2 Corinthians five and seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All old things are passed away; all things are become new. Now, when I was in, in, in coming up again, I came up. You know, we was in a storefront. It, it wasn't even I, if, if it wasn't even this big. It wasn't even. It was maybe. This big was the church. And so it was holiness church. We, were, we was rocking, baby. We was rocking. Don't You could tell us nothing. Rocking. Six days a week. Having church in there. Six days a week. And so they, there was this old song. I looked at my hands and my hands looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. And they will praise God. But it's really not true. Because if you had wrinkles on your hand before you you said the Lord's Prayer, them, them wrinkles are still there. Yeah, if you had that bald spot, brother, that ball spot did not dissipate because you gave your life to the Lord. It's still there, brother. Some of us just chose to cut it. Some of us chose to do otherwise, but it's still there, dog. I hate to break it to you. I hate to disappoint you, but it's still going to be there. The new creature is on the inside. It's the internal thing. As soon as you confess your... What, uh, your mouth and believe the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as Savior, your inner man is instantly changed. Your inner man is instantly a new creature. That mind, that mind though, the mind. See, we, are, we as man are comprised of three different parts. You know this, the body, the mind, soul. And the soul is that is what has world consciousness. Your spirit has God consciousness. Your body has physical consciousness. Your your soul has world consciousness. Your soul is your mind. And that mind, that mind is a hard thing to turn around. That mind is a hard thing to change. That mind is what many of us have, the battlefield. That mind is the thing that that, that wakes you up. It's that alarm clock. Some of us don't even need an alarm clock because your mind is Running so much that that mind will say, it's time to get up and it's 4.30. You got three more hours technically before you're supposed to get up. But that mind is always running around. Paul in Romans 12 and 1, you know that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 says, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed... By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of your mind. Whenever you begin this walk with the Lord, it is a renewing process. Whenever you begin anything new, it's a renewing process. And Paul is saying, don't be conformed to the way the world has done it. You have to reform and transform your mind to what is the will of God for you. You now have to go from thinking about self and thinking about what is your will to what is the will of God for my life. That is this new walk of salvation. That is this walk that we have with the Lord. When well, the Bible says we walk by not by faith, but by what? Not by sight, rather, but by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. See, when you were walking according to your flesh, you were walking according to your sight. And whatever you wanted, whatever you thought, you would do it. Whatever you saw, you would run after it because you were walking by sight. So now you have to walk by faith and not by what you see. This is a new season. No matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, every now and again, God will send you through a new season, through a battery of tests, where you can no longer walk by what you see, you gotta walk by what you hear. And the hardest thing in the world for us as human beings is to hear and not see but yet take a step because we want to see where I'm walking. We want to see exactly what I'm walking into. I want to see I'm willing to go with you. I'm willing to do what you're asking, but I want you to show me where I'm going first. God said, that's not how I work. You must walk by faith and not by sight. That's why you got to transform your mind because your mind is constantly telling you this is ridiculous. Your mind is constantly telling you, well, you can do this, this, and this and have the problem resolved pretty quickly. But you say, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to walk by faith. And if my faith says, hold on, hang tight, God has not forgotten about you, then I must quiet my sight and I must walk by faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means that, that in the times that I am questioning what I'm hearing versus what I'm seeing, that means that I now need to channel and need to further enhance what I'm hearing of the word of God. That means that means that, that means that you now... In those faith moments, you need to be more intent about hearing and reading God's word because everything else around you is vying for your attention. And so now God says if faith comes by hearing and hear by the word of God, then also fear comes by hearing. And so it depends on which one you listen to is the way you're going to lean. So now you need to transform your mind and say, I'm not going to listen to this fear. I'm going to listen to my faith because the way that I used to go, I used to walk by sight. Now I have to walk by faith and my faith requires me to hear something different than what I used to hear and do something different than what I used to do. this, this okay? I have to walk by faith and not by sight in our book, in our text here, John, uh, uh, John Mark is his real name. He's, we call him just Mark now and is, is, is the writer of this book of Mark. The book of Mark is all about showing the works of Jesus. He's about showing the, the miracles of Jesus and straightway and getting right to it. He gets right to the miracles of Jesus. Mark is the Yes, he shows the, the most miracles of any of the Gospels is Mark. He gets straight to the showing the works and the servitude that Jesus had. In fact, one of the key scriptures is Mark 10 and 45. For even the Son of Man comes not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Mark even traveled with Paul in the book of Acts to certain missionary groups and, and, and so Mark has this, this, he wants to really show us how Jesus came into this world, not like Matthew. Matthew was really trying to show the lineage. John was trying to show the divinity. Mark is really trying to show us the works and the servitude of Jesus Christ. And so when we get here to showing to chapter 11, We get to chapter 11 and it is a week before, normally you hear this around Easter time, Palm Sunday, but it is a week before Jesus is is supposed to go to the cross. And as you can imagine, anytime you have a big week coming up, it is a stressful time for the Savior. Stressful because He has to die for the world. He came to save the world that rejected him. And can you imagine you're days away from the reason why you came here? You came on this earth for 33 years. Now you're just days away from the reason why you came here. And he's stressed out. Above measure. In fact, he goes to the, uh, to the, the Garden of Gethsemane and, and he, he leaves the disciples and he comes back and they're sleeping and he even says, can you not stay woke for one hour while I go away and pray? He's under intense stress and pressure because he knows what's about to come in a few days. And the reality is he knew when he first got here why he was sent here because he was giving them glimpses that I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back, but I must die. And they, they, they tried to tell him, no, that's, that's not really what you mean. and that's, You're not really going to die. You no, know, I'm going to die. I came here for this very reason. I came here for a world that would reject me, for a world that would misunderstand me for a world that would call me a devil when I cast devils out. I came here and I was sent to die for a world that wouldn't appreciate me until after I'm gone. And isn't that crazy how we don't appreciate people or good things that we have in our life until after they're gone. You crying over the casket I love you, don't go, but never picked the phone up while they were still here. Isn't that something? They walk out the door, and I promise it'll be different this time, but while they were here, you never said a word. So he said, I'm coming, I know why I'm here. I'm here to die, and I'm getting, this, I'm getting myself ready. I'm putting the things in place. But before I make my way to the cross, I want you to go over to a town over against you, and as soon as you enter, you're going to find a coat tied there. See, if you just read this, if you just read Scripture as a story, and you don't look at it analytically, then you will think it's just a good Easter story or a good story of the coming cross. But you've got to look at it and analyze that Jesus is days away from dying, days away from the crescendo of his existence on earth, days away from what will mark history and they're going to be debating about it for thousands and thousands of years and before he did it he said wait there's a coat in some translations they say there's an ass tied up loose them and bring them to me this dumb thing this, this silly thing And I know it had been been prophesied that that the the Savior is going to come lowly on a donkey, lowly on a colt, lowly on an ass, lowly on a dumb thing. So he had to fulfill the scripture. But look at how God thinks, how Jesus thinks that, that even while he has all of this going on, his mind is still full of that dumb thing. I don't mean no offense to you. I don't mean, I, I, I respect you. I respect you watching online. But I'm going to just say it for me. I am glad and grateful that while God has everything else going on, his mind is still full of me. Yeah. He's still saying, Before I go do this, there's my son tied up over there. Loose him and let him go. That's my daughter over there. In the in the town over against you. Loose them and let them go. I love it because it it, it helps me to know that, that I'm never too far from God's mind, and that I'm always on his mind, that he always has a plan for me, that he always has something worked out for me. And, and while people are wondering, what are, what are you doing here? And you can see the Bible says that no man has sat on, nobody thought about him, nobody had ever tried to engage him, nobody had ever tried to interact with him. I thank God that he... He he thought about me and commanded me to be loosed. He thought enough about me and said, I'm going to use you. I need you. And I see you over there tied up. Loose them and bring them to me. I got to thank God because your troubles will try to make you think that God has forgotten about you. Your troubles will try to make you think God has left you over here. And your troubles will try to make you think that that God is too busy. He got all this going on. Don't you see all these people. He sa- he's trying to save and, and these disasters all around the world. And this is happening and that is happening. But even in the midst of all the calamity happening, he said, wait, wait, there's my son over there tied up. Tied up for a particular time, tied up for a particular moment, tied up for a particular instance where I'm going to actually need you for this moment. I had you tied up for my use. I preached this before and I preached tied up on purpose because he had you stuck. It was stuck on purpose. On this. On, on, on purpose. purpose. For him. There's a couple of things I want you to realize here that this, this coat was tied where no man had ever touched them. Nobody had ever wrote them. Nobody had ever, from what it reads, had ever utilized this coat. And here this coat is tied in isolation. Stuck. And tied in isolation. Can I tell you that? Whenever God gets ready to elevate you. He will first isolate you. I'm going to say it again. Before elevation comes isolation. He is always going to isolate you first. Do I have scripture? Yes. Jesus, the garden of Gethsemane. Paul on the road to Damascus, Moses at the Mount of Sinai, Elijah under the juniper tree. He is always going to isolate you before he elevates you. The reason why God does that is because he wants it to be clear of who's doing the talking. See, if you were in a crowd, then you would say, it's my voice. If you are around your friends, then you'll say that, well, you are a really wise person. Thank you for your advice. Thank you for what you said. But he said, no, I'm going to move everything else from around you. And I'm going to put you in isolation so I can have your undivided attention. You can be in isolation and be married to somebody. You can be in isolation and still go to a job full of thousands of people. You can be in isolation and be in Times Square. Isolation is not a physical thing. Isolation is sometimes a mental thing. It's an emotional thing. God will sometimes isolate you and ice out people from your life who you would come and look to for support, but he's gonna ice them out. He's gonna box them out. He's gonna put you in a box. And seemingly, nobody wants to mess with you now. Nobody is giving you a hand up. Nobody's giving you a hand out. Nobody is helping you at all. And you got people all around you. And you're still saying, Lord, why does it feel like I'm in isolation? He said, I'll put you in isolation so that you and I can have a private conversation. I don't like to do how private conversations on a three-way call. You got to be a certain age to know what a three-way call is. A three-way call is when you call somebody, y'all talking and you say, "Hold on." This how they used to get you in high school. We in the school, they would say, "Hold on. Don't say nothing. Put you, don't don't say nothing. Put put a cover over the phone." Hey. Hey Billy. Hey. So my friend Sarah, she like you. What you think about it? Yeah, I like her too. Oh, okay. Or, hey man, what was you saying about them the other day? Yeah, I said I ain't like them that much. Oh, okay, I just wanted to make sure. Click. You hit that button twice. Doot, doot. You hear that? You hear it? Yeah, child, I told you. God said, I don't want no private conversations on a three-way line. I want to have a private conversation with you and I. So it's never mistook. Or misidentified that it's me. Because I'm going to pull you and put you in such a place where you have nobody else to depend on but me. You call your friends, they didn't offer any help. You call your family, they couldn't offer any help. The bank couldn't offer any help. The job couldn't offer any help. And Lord, why am I feeling like I'm isolated? I feel like I'm, I'm blacklisted. I feel like nobody is going to untie me and here I am isolated. He said, I isolate you because I'm about to elevate you and I need to give you key instructions. I feel prophetic. I I want to give you key instructions for the next level. So I'm going to isolate you and give you these instructions for the next level. And I want to make sure that my voice is heard clearly. The second thing is, he never wants you to get dependent on somebody else's support. When David got ready to get the threshing floor back, he tried to off, they tried to uh, say, No, David, we should give it back to you, or the Ark of the, the Covenant. He said, No. I'm going to pay what it costs. He said, because I want to make sure that I never am dependent on somebody else for what I know is rightfully mine. David in another verse began to count the men and God judged them and killed 70,000 he gave David a choice. He said, now I can turn you over to the hands of man or I can do the judging. David said, no, I'm going to let you do the judging because man is too harsh. He said, okay, because of your sin, I'm going to kill 70,000 men. God is very particular about you counting on others in place of him. So he said, I never want you to get to a place where you depend on them more than me because you'll make them an idol. And I already said, thou shall have no other God before me. So before you do that, let me take them out of the equation so that you no longer depend on them. You no longer depend on the support system you once did. You have nothing else to depend on. Nobody else to depend on but me. So I'm going to put you in isolation before elevation. Now that's God's perspective. I can't help but to think about how this coat must have felt because while the cult was in isolation he also must have felt stuck and how many of us have ever just felt stuck stuck at our intersection stuck in transition I'm just stuck I can't move to the left. I can't move to the right. I can't go forward. I'm stuck and I'm stuck at an intersection and I'm seeing people go by. I'm seeing life go by. I'm seeing people move. I'm seeing people getting married and having kids and opening jobs and going on vacation and having careers and having life and here I am at this intersection and I'm just stuck. Have you ever just felt stuck? Stuck in one place, stuck in a dead end job and stuck in a dead relationship and just stuck in a dead mindset and just stuck, stuck in a dumb neighborhood and stuck. And I'm watching life go by. And I'm just stuck. And I'm seeing people excel past me. The Bible says that it it was at a way that two ways crossed. So I'm stuck, and I'm seeing commerce going on, and I'm seeing business happen, and I'm seeing life for other people happening. And here I am, stuck. And it wouldn't be so bad that I was stuck, but I'm stuck in public. I'm stuck in public. I'm stuck, and other people can walk by and see me. I'm stuck and other people can walk by and say, you've been there for a little while. Why are you not moving? I'm stuck and everybody that passes by can see that I'm still in the same place. And I'm stuck. Whoa, what a terrible feeling it is to be stuck first of all, but then to be stuck in public. I'm stuck under scrutiny. I'm stuck and everybody in the family knows it. I'm stuck and everybody in the house knows it. I'm stuck and everybody in your neighborhood knows it. I'm stuck. And no man has ever come to see about it. This is a coat that nobody has ever wrote before. And this coat is there. Tied up. Stuck in public. Watching life go by and wondering, Lord, do you see where I am? Is there anybody who has ever felt like, Lord, do you see me tied up here? Stuck in this dead-end situation. I get fed. Somebody comes and gives me meal, gives me water. But nobody unties me, and here I am stuck. I wanna talk to somebody who's ever felt stuck and wondering, Lord, when am I ever gonna get untied? This is your Sunday morning. Wondering, Lord, when am I ever gonna get out of this dead-end thing? Here I am stuck. And I need somebody to loose me. Today is your day. Today is your day. Today is the day that God is going to loose you. He told them, loose them and bring them to me. And if anybody says, why are you loosing them? Tell them the Lord have need of them. This is your Sunday morning that the Lord said, I'm going to loose you. Because I need you. I'm going to lose you. Because I need you. Now let's be clear. Let's, be, let's, let's get one thing understood. God needs nobody or nothing to make himself complete. Let's be clear. But in order for God to reach the people, God is going to use you to reach He needs you. Everything about you, God needs to reach somebody else. Now, I know somebody says, oh, preacher, that doesn't sound right. God doesn't need anybody. The scripture just said it. Jesus said, if anybody asks a question, tell them the Lord have need of this dumb thing I have need of this silly thing I have need of this unworthy thing I have need because I am going to ride on this dumb thing and I'm going to use this dumb thing to change the world I'm going to use this dumb thing to change somebody else And you have been looking at yourself and saying, Lord, I'm not worthy. You can't be talking to me. And the Lord said, you are exactly who I'm talking to. I need you. Everything about you, I already took into account. I already took into account where you were born. Your mother, your father not raising you. Your mother not being there. You not having a good relationship with anybody in your family. I took it all into account. Because I'm gonna use everything about you to change who I'm gonna bring you in contact with. I'm gonna use everything about you. That's why I want your mind to be transformed so that you are no longer insulated and no longer just worried about yourself, but you could begin to tell other people that if God can save me, he can save anybody. If God can change me, he can change anybody. If God can deliver me, he can deliver anybody. And I need you, the flawed you, the messed up you, the sometimes lying you, the sometimes messing up you. I need all of you I didn't ask you to come to me perfect. I'm perfect already. I asked you to come to me, yeah, perfectly you, perfectly flawed, perfectly stumbling a little bit so I can clean you up. I need you to be perfectly you so I can be perfectly me. I need you. I knew the storm was going to come. I knew you were going to be tied up. I knew you were going to be felt stuck. But I did all of that so I could have you fit for my use. Let me tell you something. That your stuck situation was all a setup by God. All of it was a setup by God. He set you up so that he could use you. He set you up so that he could have you at the appointed time he needed you because he is going to use you in a particular way and he needs everything about you for what he's about to do. The reason why I started out the way I did is because I want you to get from where you were looking at you and looking at your problems, and looking at everything you're going through, and you're just you're just constantly regurgitating the problems, till you begin to ask God, "What is Your will for my life? Why did You save me? Why did You raise me up? Why did You keep me from dying in the streets?" Why did you keep me from dying in the accident? Why did you keep me? Other people died in situations you've been in. I kept you because I got something for you. I kept you because I need you. I got something for you that I want to do to you and do through you. And I kept you through all of that because I need you. I need you. There's somebody else who you're going to come to. And they're going to need to hear your testimony. There's somebody you're going to encounter. They're going to need to hear your testimony. There's somebody you're going to encounter. They're going to need to know how you made it the way you did. And the education won't line up. The money won't line up. The family upbringing won't line up. You'll have to go back and say, had it not been for the Lord on my side, I would have been swallowed up. Tell me about this, Lord. Tell me about this God you're talking about. Tell me about this Jesus you talk about. He is the water walker. He is the lily of the valley. He is my great and morning star. He is Mary's baby. He is the seed of Abraham. He is the great I am. He is the true vine. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is my lover of my soul. He is my savior. He is my redeemer. He is. He is God wrapped in flesh. He is my savior. I prayed when the Lord gave me this message. I said, Lord, I don't want to come across like I'm condemning. He said, remind my kids, there there is therefore now no condemnation. I'm not condemning you. I could have condemned you if I wanted to. This is about me finding conviction in your heart so that you will realize that God needs me and I now have to stop looking at myself And I now have to grow up and begin to share what I have. It's not about the money. Because you can give your money and not give anything else. It's about you giving you. It's about you actually giving the testimony of what God has done in your life. So that somebody else could see it and be saved. That's the reason why he needs you. He said, I need you, the flawed you, the messed up you, the one who feels like, Lord, surely you can't be talking to me because you know what I did last night. You know what I was thinking last night. You know what I was looking at last night. You know where I was last night. And he said, I don't care about none of that. I need you. Because I am going to use this dumb thing and ride in and change the world. Because people are going to say, how is a person like you able to serve God the way you are? How is it that you are able to serve God the way you are? How do you have the peace you have? And you can say, because of Jesus Because it's not me. It looks like me, but it's not me. I wish I could take the credit, but it's not me. I want to get you out of the place where we become so self-absorbed. See, the enemy wants to concern you with self. And the enemy wants to concern you with being insulated and concern you with what's going on in your life and concern you with what's going on with you and him and concern you with what's going on at work and concern you with all of the cares of the world that you lose sight of what God is actually calling you to. We are called to be fishers of men. I'm calling you to draw people to me. And I needed every bit of who you are to draw them to me. I needed the flawed you, the one who's still dealing with anger issues, the one who's still dealing with loneliness, the one who's still dealing with with when sometimes you you deal with 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 depression, and sometimes you deal with we're comprehending that period I had you in isolation. I need all of you. I need it. Because what you're going to do is you're going to realize that as you go and as you allow me to become the star of the show. See, when, when Jesus was now riding on the colt it was no longer about the coat; It was about him. And the conversation became about him. And guess what? He, he happens to be on my back. I know this message is a bit... It, it, it's, a, it's a bit odd because nowadays everybody is talking about... And we talk about it. We're talking about... Your haters and we're talking about the blessings and we talk talking about having the abundant life. Jesus said, I come that you may have life and have life more abundantly and I want you to have that. But if you don't realize the real reason for your salvation, yeah. if you don't realize that, that you didn't just rec- accept Christ to, to just now go into heaven, that he wants you to have life here and to be effective for him here, then you'll lose the point. I want to ask you this question. If I followed you around for 24 hours, how would I know you serve the Lord? If I followed you around 24 hours, what would tell me that you serve the Lord? What would tell me that the Lord is important in your life? What would tell me that, that, you, that you have this salvation that I'm speaking of? What would tell me that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? If I followed you around for 24 hours, how would I know that Christ is the head of your life? How would I know it? How would I know That you are different now than you were before you said the Lord's Prayer. How would I know? This message is one that all of us need No matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, no matter when it was, you could have given your life to the Lord at age five. You could have given your life to the Lord last week. No matter how old you are in Christ, we all need this message because it is a reminder to never get so lost in the things of the world and the situations that we deal with that we forget the real reason for our salvation. God needs us because the world is constantly telling you that they don't. They're constantly telling you that serving God is not important. They're constantly telling you you, it used to be a day where if a church was opening it'd be people all over the place and it'd be packed up and now people treat church and treat God as if, as if it's optional. I'm not going over there to that church. All them preachers are the same. All them church folks are the same. They all hypocrites. They don't say that about the club. They don't say that they go to the movies. I'm not giving them the church my money. You don't say that about the movies. You don't say that about the bar. You don't say that about those companies you sponsor. They're all hypocrites. The people that are selling you the medicine don't take it. And you are buying their prescriptions. And they don't take it. But yet they say they have something good for you. I'm trying to show you that God has need of you. Because soon and very soon he is coming back. Soon and very soon you're going to have to give an account of what did you do while you were here on earth. What did you do? I remember in the scripture Jesus asked Peter, he said, do you love me? You know I do. He said, no, do you love me? Pastor, you know I love you. He asked him again, and Peter almost getting an attitude, come on, why you keep asking me do I love you? He said, well, feed my sheep. You see, it's people starving for me, and yet you say nothing to them, and yet you say you love me. How can you love me? How can you love me, and yet you never discuss me among your friends? How can you say you love me? It's like saying, I love my wife, but but my friends don't even know she uh, exists in my life. You and God have this secret rendezvous. And he's saying, how can it really be a true love affair? How can we really be in relationship if it's one-sided? If the only time I hear from you is to get me out of a situation, help me with this. Your prayers are consumed with your request, never your graciousness, never your thanksgiving, never your repentant heart. Your prayers are consumed with a, with a list, a mile long of things you need him to fix and people you need him to fix and a career you want him to start and a company strategy. And you want God to give you all of this. But yet, if you were to put what he gets from you on a scale, it will be lopsided. The Lord have need of you. The Lord have need of you. Now I know we don't go out and pass out tracks like we used to. We don't go door to door like some faiths do. And nowadays, when people say I'm gonna pray for you, that is the prayer. You going through something? I'm praying for you, and that's it. That's that's all that's what they meant. So don't count too much. That was the prayer. Don't ask them for specifics. That was it. What would happen if we got outside of ourself and really gave our lives to the Lord? Really gave our lives to the Lord like we proclaim we do. What would happen if we really gave our lives to the Lord? Not just Romans 10 and 9, but actually Romans 12 and 1, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And God, I hate it, but I'm going to stay right here. And God, I feel inadequate, but I'm going to go in there. And I feel funny asking you, man, have you received the Lord as your Savior? And I feel funny saying, man, you need to know Jesus. And I know everybody else is going to tell you, man, that's a white man religion and that's this and that's that. And they're going to always have something to say. I think it was Martin Luther King, truth smashed down to the ground will rise again undaunted. They've been fighting Jesus. They've been fighting this message for over 2,000 years. Over 2,000 years, and the chief cornerstone is still standing. Let them fight you. He said, Because when they're fighting you, they're really fighting me. Let them do it. Because he said, If you, this is what you need to get. If you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my father. And God forbid. God forbid you get to the pearl gates. You got to stand in front of them. You say, here I am, Lord. You remember in 1992, I, I said Romans 10 and 9, and I went to a church for 30 years. He said, yeah, I get you in. You don't get no rewards. You get in. nobody knew me because of you your family didn't even know me because you You talked about the game you talked about your stocks you talked about the people that you hung out with you talked about your ex-girlfriend more than you talked about i had no place in your life except for on sunday mornings when you would sneak over because you knew your friends were still asleep, and you knew that nobody was going to bother you between this time you went to church you went to get inspiration you want to hear the gospel music. You want to hear the preacher fire you up and inspire you and tell you God's going to give you all these blessings and you you danced around and said, I'm going to get all these blessings and, and I'm going to get this and I'm going to get the house and when we coming out of debt and this and that, but you came out of the debt of sin and he washed you and cleaned you and made you whole and never said nothing else about it. I want the spirit of conviction to hit us again. The spirit of conviction that makes us repent unto God. Like David. David would repent and he would say, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Purge me, clean me, wash me. Purge me with his support. I want to be right in your eyes I want to be right in your eyes God I would love your support I would love to have you in my phone list I would love to have you at my dinner table but if I don't have none of you if I have him Lord if I'm in the right place with you God that's what matters I don't want to go this whole life and not have you I don't want to go this whole life and end up missing out on you because I was too worried about what somebody else would say here you are talking Jesus man I remember you when we, was, we were cut buddies back in the day and now you want to tell me about the Lord get out of here you hypocrite and you let what they may say affect you I want to be right with you God I want to be right with you Lord The Lord needs you. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you. you, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to open your hearts and your mouth right there behind you. Right behind you. I'm going to ask you to open your heart, your mind, your spirit. This is our Sunday morning that we are going to commit ourselves back to the Lord. I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for 5 years. You could have just uh, been introduced to the Lord and just come into salvation. But this is the moment where we are going to open up ourselves and give ourselves to the Lord. Commit our ways unto Him. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being foolish, Lord. I'm sorry for not taking action, God, and not standing up and, and saying, Jesus is Lord. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, Lord, for, for, for not answering the call sooner. But here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Wash me. Clean me, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. Deliver me, Lord, from my selfish attitude, God. Deliver me, God, from where all I'm doing is thinking about self, God. Deliver me. I got caught up in the ways of the world. I got caught up in the actions of the world. I got caught up in the thoughts of the world. Deliver me. Deliver me, God. I dedicate my life to you. I dedicate my life to you, God. I dedicate my heart to you, God. I dedicate my actions to you, God. I dedicate it all to you, God. All to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender. You don't have to arrest me, I surrender. You don't have to come and and give me some calamity to make me surrender to you. I surrender all to thee. I surrender. I surrender all to thee. I surrender to you, God. I'm going to do better, Lord. I promise you, I'm going to do better. I'm not just going to post the scripture on Instagram or Facebook and think I've done the Lord's work. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I surrender. for the next 30 seconds this is about you and him you have a private conversation with your Savior Come on, you got just a few more seconds. I surrender. He's listening. He's waiting on you. I dare you to make an altar where you are. I dare you to make an altar where you are. I surrender. My will. I surrender my fight, God. I surrender my heart to you, God. There is nobody else like you, God. I surrender it to you, Thank you, God. Thank you for being the God of second chances. Thank you for being the God that restores. Thank you for being the God of restoration. Thank you for being the God of restoration. Society now that you can't have a video over a minute and a half, or people will switch off. You can't have a service over a certain amount of people will lose it. You can't have a show over this amount of time, or people will switch off. And I, I promise you, I'm trying to be Contemporary. I am. I'm trying to be relative according to the time. I am. But I've also been raised with a respect for God and a reverence for God and a reverence for His presence. And I know At this moment I should be taking the offering and I will and I know at this moment I should be doing this and I will but sometimes it just we just have to just sit for just a moment and let him bask let him hover in the room before you move him out and say Lord we got to get to the next business on the agenda Sometimes you just have to, shh, Shh. don't rush him. Don't rush him. Don't rush him. If you were in a hospital and they were doing surgery on you, I guarantee you, you wouldn't want them to rush you because you had something else to do take your time and get it right and some of us try to rush God alone so we can get on to the next thing but for what God is doing in your heart it's a surgery it's surgery it's not Lego blocks it's surgery and you need to let God have his perfect work you need to let God do that thing that he is trying to do in your heart if you will open up your heart If you would lift your hands and lift your heart unto him and come out of the way you feel, come out of how it makes you feel and get lost in him, you'll be surprised. See about you. Hallelujah. 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 Here comes the answer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah Hallelujah all Hallelujah 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 all Hallelujah Hallelujah I said my word and healed I said my word and healed Hallelujah 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 of kings and the Lord of lords you give him glory you were the first instrument he created you give him glory the fruit of your lips give him glory give him what he deserves give him glory glory he deserves it he deserves your praise he deserves the honor give him glory all over this room Give him glory all over the internet. Give him glory. Give him glory. Hallelujah, anyhow. Hallelujah, anyhow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Glory. 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 this is our commitment for this week and beyond we are going to be more committed to the commitment we are not going to be committed in words we're going to be committed in action we're going to make sure that God can feel my presence just as much as I want to feel his I'm going to make sure I'm going to do more to let you know how much I appreciate you, how much gratitude I have for you. I'm not going to be grateful and serve you in word only. I'm going to serve you in action. I'm going to come out of my uh, fragility and come out out of my angst about, about saying anything to anybody about you. And I'm going to be determined that somebody is going to know about you because of me. going to be determined I'm going to be determined and the Lord in Isaiah Isaiah when he saw the presence of the Lord come in the room he said I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips and the angel came and dropped a coal on his lips and he said I'm going to give you the words to say I'm going to put the burning words on you so you don't have to worry about saying it if you had to say it then, of course, they will come out stumbling and they will come out and you wouldn't know how to get it out, but because you're going to let me do the talking and it's going to be through you, don't worry about it. I got you. I'll do the talking. You just open your mouth. I'm going to do the speaking. You just open your mouth and let me come out. And I'm going to get the glory. And I'm going to use you. A dumb thing that was tied up and nobody else could loosen. Nobody else could ride it. But I'm going to use you. If you're happy about that word, clap your hands and praise God. While you're standing, I'm going to challenge you. If you need an offering card, let us know. We'll get one to you, but I'm going to challenge you to sow into the kingdom of God in this moment I'm going to challenge you to sow I'm going to challenge you to sow I'm going to challenge you to sow and you still need a minute, say, wait a minute. I'm going to ask you to lift your seeds up before heaven. Father, we thank you, Lord, for these seeds we have sown. They are nothing compared to you, compared to what you have given us, God. But we give something back to you, whether in time give you a tent that represents the whole Lord, and an offering, God. For God, if we give you nothing but a praise, God, we leave this room, God. We're giving you something because of what you've given to us. And I thank you, Lord, for doing things that money cannot buy. a pressed down, shaking together, running over blessing. I thank you, Lord, for doors opening and doors closing. I thank you for contracts being, being uh, sealed. I thank you, Lord, for blessing us, God, according to your will and your will. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do to us and through us and using us as a testament of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew. The Lord loves the cheerful giver. Clap your hands, praise God, as we sow. Clap your hands, praise God, as we sow. We got those takeaway cards outside these little cards here. I want you to take some with you. I've been passing them out at the grocery store. I ask if, if it's not for you, if you know somebody that needs a church home, here, take it. we love to have you. Our church is growing. Our church is growing. It's growing. Come on, clap your hands. It's growing. It's growing. And I'm grateful to God I'm grateful to God. God is doing a new thing in this area. He's going to do a new thing with us. This is a new thing. He's going to continue to do a new thing. God is, God is about to do some amazing works in your life. Amazing, amazing works in your life because you're attached and partnered with this ministry. God's going to do some amazing things in your life, and I'm believing God that the hand of the Lord. It's going to be on your life and on your business and on your children and on your endeavors and and on everything you touch, the new babies. Glory to God. Glory to God. We got our children's church building up already in here. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. And pretty soon we're going to need a nursery. Glory to God. I'm believing God. I told you. 610 is what this room can hold. I'm believing God for that. I've already been scoping out areas in in this school where we can use for nurseries, we can use for our young adults. I am not gonna sit here and be defeated. We are gonna claim this area, this city, this state for the glory of God, for the glory of God. They say that this area, they got a lot of churches, but they say they hard on churches. I don't believe it. I don't believe we have to succumb to anything man says. We are going to take this area for the glory of God. We're going to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ, how your mind can be transformed, and you can be liberated and set free by the power of God. I don't care what you've come through and what you've been in. I don't care where you've been. God can deliver you and set you free. Glory to God. And so as we go on this week, take that with you. That great is he that is in me, than he that is in the world. God got something for you. And God's going to do something for you. God's going to do something to you. God's going to do something through you. And now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you may ask or think, to the only wise God, our Savior, be dominion and power in Jesus' name, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We love you. We'll see you next Love on your neighbor, love on your neighbor.